This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hi, I'm Mike Mowry, president of Outer Loop Management. My team and I have been helping our musicians release their albums and EPs to get the biggest first week sales possible. And our strategies work. We consistently get first week debuts on the Billboard charts, leading to greater opportunities for my clients. Great tours, great media coverage, and great industry attention. And for the first time ever, I'm going to show you how I do it. Go to OuterLoopCoaching.com to learn more and register now for Release It Right, my online webinar on July 22nd, or Unleash It Right on July 22nd, as well as July 29th. Put in the code METALSUCKSPOD5, all caps and all one word, and I will give you $5 off the price of either webinar, and I will give another $5 to this podcast. So you'll be supporting this show while supporting your own career. Again, go to OuterLoopCoaching.com and use the code METALSUCKSPOD5 to get $5 off, either release it right on July 22nd or unleash it right on July 22nd and 29th. Peace. Do you feel the Bible doesn't translate well to modern society? Is the King James Version too difficult to read or understand? Well, sinners and sodomites, your prayers have been answered and God has sent his most perfect son. He's very beautiful. He's an angel. Dave Mustaine. He he could be in this room right now. We wouldn't know it. That's a scary thought. It's a very scary thought. In this version, Jesus is played by Dave himself and dying for everyone's sins sucks. So Dave decides not to. This is before we found out about AIDS. The morals you need in everyday life. The one that looks at you and spits on your head right before he shoots you. But he doesn't change that much. Metallica and the gays are going to hell. It just sounds evil, doesn't it? Pray to Dave and you might survive the countdown to extinction. I know that it works. Here's a testimonial from our newest convert. Dave Mustaine is amazing as Jesus, dude. And I know Super Collider was all Chris Broderick's fault. Fucking Judas. The King Mustaine Bible. You should have saw it coming. Absolutely. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast with your host, Brandon Hahn and Petter Spych. Mm, yes. Mm, way before AIDS got started. <laughs> What's going on, guys? It's the Metal Sucks Podcast back again. I'm one of the hosts, Brandon Hahn. I'm Petra Spice over here, the other host, guys. And this week, we got a great show for you. We got Ben Falgu from fucking Goat Whore, lead singer. I know you guys know who he is. So, um, And this new album is killing it. Dude, Vengeful Ascension is easily in the top right now three for me for the year. But I think, I think most of the... Anybody that has picked up this record is probably feeling the same thing we're feeling. It is fucking groovy. It is catchy. It is awesome. You would think that a, a website like Metal Sucks would just destroy every album that comes out it sounds like it's a very overbearing website but dude they gave it a four i mean we four gave and it a four stars. and a half stars yeah That's, they did yeah, yeah so fucking a man yeah so i mean dude do you, we, are they they oh, wait, are, if we're doing the metal sucks podcast can we are we are we uh, a is part? it a we or is, is it, it a, a they do we are we part of the well metal did sucks. we review uh for the website no no do we, we agree didn't. with them on the review yes. yes so we'll just go with that are there other reviews that they reviewed recently that we don't agree with yes so that's what i'm saying so it's not our reviews so we'll just say they, because mm-hmm. it's their reviews. Yeah. You know, so we're hired hands, son. Okay, that's We're hired okay. hands. 
So we're, we're loyal in, hired hands. We're independent contractors. Is what this con- is what this podcast is. Oh, that's nice. Yes. I like I like that. Like it just that? sounds like that's something we'll put on our taxes. Anyway, so um, <laughs> so I, I like and by as, we I mean you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, this week, guys, uh, I'm I'm going to share a story. As fans of music, guys, we're a big part of metal, um, and. Uh, me talking to Ben, it was a big deal for me. Because for me, when I was a teenager, the first record that really got ben me... Ben from Goat Horde. Ben from Goat Horde, okay. correct, yes. Uh, um, the person that I got to interview and talk to. Um, and it's a long interview today. Yeah, no, So if dude. you're a Goat Horde fan, buckle up. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a dude, he just great went. interview. It he was, just it was, Yeah, he was just coolest guy ever. But the point is, so uh, so when I was a teenager... Cooler um, than David Hasselhoff? Mm, it's a, a toss-up. I'm going to let him answer that. I ain't touching up. that. That's the question I should have asked him he right did, off the jump, it. son. You fucking blew it. So uh, um, the first record that really moved me into, like, changed my kind of landscape. Because when you're younger, like, for me, I was growing up in the 90s, so bands like the Alice in Chains, Cruiser and Conformity, you know, Pantera, were kind of like what I was really exposed to. And so death metal is exposed to at a young age. So the cannibal corpses and, and deicides and things like that, you know, were always in my wheelhouse. But the record that changed the game for me was Soylent Green's Sown Mouth Secrets. And I, we talk, I talked to him and so about that on the, in the interview, just a little bit at the end there. But uh, the point is, is that that record's the one that made me go to the record store. I remember specifically like going and being like, what's this Converge record? What is this Today is the Day? What is all this stuff? So... Uh, that record that Ben sang on was one of the most important records to me. So as years gone by, like I said, I was a teenager. I never got to see Soylent Green. Never did. You know, uh, still to this day, never have. Um, I remember the next record that That's came. That's weird because they watch you every night from your window. I like what you did there. That's what the word is. I can't confirm that. I, don't. <laughs> I know. So, uh, so never got to see them. So when Goat Whore, uh was first touring around, okay, um, they were on the, the first chance I got to see them was on the uh, Haunting Curse record. It was they were on the Sounds of the Underground tour, and the Sounds of the Underground tour was coming to Las Vegas where I was living, but Gohord wasn't on the bill. They took off Guar, they took off Gohord a few bands, so I was already planning to drive to Arizona to see uh, see these guys. So, and then on that Arizona show in that specific tour, like I said, this was like Sounds of the Underground. I want to say 2007. Oh, I might be off a year or two. And uh, Suicidal Tendencies hasn't performed in a while, and they were playing a few shows. They were, like, kind of headlining after Guar, and I think Azalea Dine was a headliner at the time. How do you follow Guar? I mean, I understand it's suicidal, but Suicidal did f- a good job. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. So, uh, anyway, so my— With Odorous, that was— With Odorous at the yes. time, yeah, yeah, with Brocky. So, at the t- um, so my plan at the time was to go to Arizona. I'm going to finally get to see Ben fucking perform. You know, the one, like I said, one of the guys that always— musically really changed the whole game for me right in the underground so um and then at the same time i was in college at this point so i had a photography class at 28 years old i wasn't 28 i was 22 i don't know i don't know maybe 23 yeah 2007 you would have been 26 27 Oh maybe yeah I was I was older but I, yeah I was I was taking this photography class yeah. so the point was is that so it's uh, Pete Van Wilder it's, dude I I'll tell you right now the worst thing is I do this all the time, and I don't know if you do too. I mix, mix up my years and how old I was when things happened. So now, you know, it's, I'm bad with that stuff. But anyway, so I'm taking this photography class in, in, in college and all that stuff. So the point was is that I, uh, I had to 
to take a like an old Minolta, a Minolta camera. You had to do a manual focus. You had to use the aperture right. You had to do all the stuff right, like old school styles. Not like nothing's going to do autofocus. Yeah, digital cameras Nothing. were just hitting the market. So point. yeah, so we you had to take that out, and so um, and one of the, the assignments was to get things in mo- motion and action. So I got to I reached out to a band that was performing. One of my favorite bands growing up was Strung Out. Still love Strung Out to death. The punk rock band. If you guys aren't aware of it, you should know them. They're amazing and they still are amazing. And so I reached out to Jordan and he's like, "Yeah, come, you can photograph our show." And I'm like, "Great." And it was like a Thursday night or something like that. So the plan was to go do that. And then all of a sudden, at a place called the Cheyenne Saloon out here, I saw that Goat Whore was coming. They're not coming to the Vegas stop of the Sounds of the Underground, so they're just going to do a headlining show. And I found out late, same night as a strung out show. So this is what I did. I said, fuck it. I can't miss Goat Whore. They're headlining. It sounds underground. It's going to be like a commercial. I'm going to see them play 20 minutes. So it's like I, I got to just flake on Strung Out completely, even though they're going to let me do this photography assignment. And so the plan was just to go down to the Cheyenne Saloon and trick my way into photography, you know, photographing Goat Whore. Right. Right. So I get down there. Uh, sure enough, like I'm like, yeah, I want to take these photographies. I, I do the whole spiel to the security guard. They're like, all right, here's the manager. I talk to the manager. The manager's like, oh, bands don't like this, yada, 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 do, 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 do. And then he's like, and then Ben comes over and talks to the manager, and, I, and he's like, ask them. And so I virtually get to talk to Ben, and I'm like, yeah, I just want to do this thing. And he goes, dude, that's totally cool. I have no problem with that. He's like, don't put it on the fucking internet or do any of that, or I'll be pissed. I'm like, I ain't doing that. I promise. I promise. Like, mm-hmm. he's just give, let me know. So cool. So I get to photograph Goat Whore. So I go out, dude. I take 24 pictures. I go the next day. It's like a Friday, and I go into the, uh, what's that room called? Oh, wow. Brain fart. Uh, dark room? Yeah, the dark room, yeah, to develop them in the school. And uh, uh, so I develop the 24 pictures, and there's three usable, like decent pictures, right? That's it. Everything else, fucking rack focus is yes. jacked. The aperture's wrong. I had like lenses that I had to use. That was part of the assignment. So I had like a red, a green, and like a gray. What a dumb asshole. But I got three good pictures. What a real piece of shit. Yeah, I got one. I got one of Sammy, you know, biting his tongue and like staring like creepy while playing the guitar. Great picture, Capture right? Capture the moment. And then the one I got of Ben was like I had a red filter on, right? And then he like kind of did this move downward. His hair was like still. And then like the mic wasn't there. And you just saw this roar and he had like the leather thing, the leather wrist thing on his arm. Mm-hmm. So it was just like this like gauntlet. Yeah. And then the lighting was perfect. It was like a great photo. I was like, oh, dude, I'm so proud of this, right? I'm like, this is a great picture. And then I'm going to Arizona Saturday to see him sounds on the underground. So I'm like, I'm on, you know what? He was cool enough to let me photograph this show. I'm going to give him this photograph. You know, I'm going to go down there. I'm going to fucking give him this photograph. Right on. Sweet, right? So I get down to the sounds of the underground show. Thanks for the photograph, fan. Yeah, that was going to yeah, be that thanks, guy. Thanks for the thanks for the thing that you just and did. like and like that's the thing I understand. I don't ever bother bands or talk to them. I don't, you know. I understand that, like, because we deal with customers and we deal with people, and like ninety percent of the yeah. world is we cool. Don't, we didn't, you didn't start bothering bands and talking to bands until you started this podcast. Correct. So yes, now well now yeah, it's it's different, but I still won't and bother every one of them. And every one of them wants to talk to us. <laughs> every one of them, they're just like, oh, you. metal sucks podcast, sweet. Yeah, thanks to their publicist. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways uh so i get down to arizona sounds of the underground tour um i catch the end of, i think it was this is hell i believe it was and then go to follows. so i barely caught him but i caught the whole set like i said it was a commercial that's what a lot of these shows are it's like 20 minutes five songs cool but i saw him just two days prior so um at the time they set up like most of these festivals they set up stages where bands go and they sign shit for people right so at this stage 
every time I die, who was also on the bill, was signing stuff. So I was like, let me go over there and get this signed, right? I got the picture to give to Ben. It was a great picture. So when I get to the Every Time I Die booth, Jordan Buckley says, yeah, dude, I, I want to sign something original. He just kind of says it to the crowd. And then I'm like, how about I get that pink Suicidal Tendencies flip hat? Will you guys all sign that? Because nobody's ever, you guys have never signed a pink Suicidal Tendencies hat before, right? And he's like, never signed those. So yeah, we'll do it. So I went and got the hat from the Suicidals booth. I come back. I put the picture down on the counter in front of Jordan. I hand the hat to Andy Williams to sign it. Jordan takes the picture, thinking that I was wanted him to sign it. He draws a big fucking dick, <laughs> like, right, right, like towards Ben's mouth, passes it down the line, right? So they all sign it. At the end, they give me the hat. It's I got, and I, I have both the hat and the picture. I have this, this pink hat. It says, every time I die, written over suicidal tendencies with all their signatures on it. You've seen me wear it yeah. many times. And uh, Keith was like, just make sure you wear this the entire time. And then the entire show, like you can't take this hat off your head. I'm like, okay, no problem. So I put the pink hat on. Wow, what a fucking minion. Yeah, I get the... the, No soul with you, bro. To sidetrack the story, like to sidetrack the story, when every time I die, took the stage, the last song they played, uh, you know, Drag the Lake... You'll find it full of love. He fucking gave me the mic and let me sing the last chorus part. Oh, that's cool. Because he saw the hat. So I'm just saying it, it worked out for me. So it was loyalty really cool. pays off. Yeah, so he let me sing. the. He, Being he, a brainless mutant pays off. He jumped down. He handed me the mic. I sang the last word. Then he took the mic. Well, he didn't hand the mic. He put the mic in my mouth, and he, he ran off, which was cool. So back to the story. <laughs> he just jammed it right in your mouth. So I got my picture back, and every time I die, I just fucking tattooed it, right? They got, right. The, they got the dick pretty much in his eye. Right? You're going to put a dick somewhere, put it right in their right. occupant. And then you got, you got like a, uh, they, they made his eyebrows all really big on the picture. Well, and yeah, then, he's got a dick in his face. And then the, he, he's obviously surprised. And the last, the last thing they wrote at the top was just sup. <laughs> <laughs> so I go back over and sure enough, dude, at the goat whore booth, it's Ben selling the merch. Right. So I'm like, fuck man. And I'm wearing the goat horse shirt I bought Thursday in Vegas, right? right? So it's 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 just the the goat horse shirt where it's got like the I don't know, it's got like a demon on the front and it's got goat horse in the box letters what? at the bottom. It's an, it's an demons old, on a goat horse shirt. Crazy talk, right? So I'm standing in front of his booth, like not saying anything, just looking at this picture, being like, should I just give it to him and tell him the story? Like, will this be okay? <laughs> you know? Just give him the picture. Yeah. I'm like, hey, hey I- buddy, here's a picture of like someone drew a dick in your mouth. I took yeah. this the other day and, and all that stuff. So. Long story short, I didn't give it to him. I just chickened out. I was like, ah, I took the picture. I bought this. I went and bought the same shirt that I bought in the Vegas show because they only had large in that size. So I have two of that shirt. And then I went back and enjoyed the show. Oh. So do you still have that picture though with all the dicks and I, stuff? On I do. Yeah. I do. No, I still have the photo and I have the hat. It's like hanging I said. up on your. No, it's not hanging anywhere. Oh. But and like put I said, it they, on the, put it on the fridge. They put didn't write every time I die, so it just really just looks like someone just tattooed the picture. And part oh, of me yeah. is like, I shouldn't have put it fucking on the table that they're signing on. You know, I just was like trying to like, I think I shook his hand and I put the picture down, and he just fucking snagged it and wrote on it. Yeah. So that was it. So, but the picture, I'm very proud of. So I had doubles. I gave one to the teacher. The other one's tattooed, and then I don't have any more copies of it. I have the negative somewhere. Lo and behold, if so I can you ever gave, find it. So you gave the teacher the dick picture? No, I, no, no. I made two copies oh, to, okay. for my assignment. One for the assignment. And then and one, then one. And then one I took back to, right. to you know, give him to. Gotcha. Because he let me. Well, I had all, I, like I said, I, I had all three. So 
Anyways, so long story short. What a riveting story. Yeah, that I was, was on that the was... edge of my chair the entire time. <laughs> I was like, whoa, where's this going to go? Long story short, that is just like a fan's perspective sometimes when you're trying to like uh, meet your heroes. And then years later, we're going about, God, 10 years later, I got to talk to him. It was a fan, uh, great conversation for me and a good time. So, it's guys, weird how shit, it's, it's weird how it's things weird, work out. It's weird how things work out. But I, I mean, like everybody's got their own, last thing before we get to the interview, everybody's got their own individual musical story uh, as, as a fan like nobody else experiences what you experience what you do with music and what you do with bands and all that stuff so it's always just a, it's a unique thing that nobody you there's I don't no have anything like there's that. no two people in the world that have the same story like i said when it comes to goat whore when it comes to soiling green when it comes to the bands that you fell in love with when you were oh yeah i got bands that i fell in love with but i'm saying like i don't have any stories where I, look i always i'm always hesitant to meet Little, so people I. in in person yeah. because like just the other day like a couple weeks ago I was um we were just talking about the Romstein show yeah. right well when they were Ra- showed Rammstein, up dude. Rammstein dude fuck we're assholes what the fuck who cares all right <laughs> fucking suck it if you don't like the mispronunciation god damn <laughs> just shut up anyway not you just not anybody yeah. any any word Nazi whatever you know what I mean like it, it's you know I say potato you say cunt it's just like it's just <laughs> who cares anyway. Uh, I just don't, I, I'm always worried. So anyways, I'm sitting in the chairs and I see, um, a couple of guys that are in bands that kill pop and I have interviewed mm-hmm. and they're like, Gooch, go say hello to him. And I'm like, I can't, don't make me do that. Who's Gooch? No, I'm Gooch. That's my nickname. <laughs> gotcha. That's my it. radio nickname. That's the name that makes me money. Gooch. They're like, yeah. Gooch, go say to him, dude. And it's like, and then I was like, and I got pressure to do it. And then I like went and shook their hands and it's like. Dude, I, it ruined my whole night. Yeah. I felt like it, it, it. I didn't. I don't know how to just walk up and hey, excuse me, guys. You look like you're having a good time. I just want to say hello and, and fuck up your conversation. Like that's how I feel. No, and that and the music's enough for me. As that's like it. most fans, is like the music is enough. I'll support you guys. You don't have to know I exist, dude. Just keep putting out the music. I'll keep supporting. That's a good system for me. And like I said, yeah, we get to interview them now. Uh, and that's a better system for me. But the point is, is that like, yeah. dude, I'm, I'm even if I'm they want to like, like I'll, if I see a band that I really enjoy, I'm like, I will always go to their merch, even though all the metal shirts that I buy, like I have a long torso. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'll buy like a large shirt. And then all of a sudden it's up to my belly button. Yeah. It's just, it's, they're always 100% cotton. Can I get some cotton poly blends? <laughs> that's all I'm asking. Some fucking cotton poly blends. You guys. Help me out, dude. <laughs> Without further ado, get him some cotton poly blends, guys. But yeah, here's the interview that I got to do with Ben from Goat Whore. Metal Sucks Podcast. It is Peter here. I am with Ben Falgu of Goat Whore. How are you doing today, man? Doing pretty good, man. Awesome. Not awesome. Bad, I guess. So Vengeful Ascension has been out now. Um, if you guys don't own it, then you're pretty much a fucking asshole. But... Uh, the- the new album has gotten great reviews across the board, and uh, the one change each reviewer brings up is the producer change from the, the mighty Eric Rutan to Jarrett Pritchard. How did that whole process uh, occur? Oh, uh, well, it's just, we were just on the path of doing something a little different for this record, you know? There was nothing, there was no bad blood or anything with Eric. I mean, you know, we did four really good records with Eric. You know, we definitely grew and expanded those period that those four records with him and everything was really cool. I just think that there was, you know, different elements within like individually that people wanted to do a little different. And, you know, instead of trying to split things up and go to all these different studios and, 
try to do things like that and try to stay within a budget. We just decided to do something you know, like of a variation, you know. So we had uh, our friend Jarrett. He does sound for us from time to time, you know, whenever he's available because he usually does a lot of really cool bigger things like Dr. John. He's been out with the Melvins. He's done a lot of really cool things on live settings, but he's also done a lot of cool records too. He did the last 1349, Massive Cauldron of Chaos. He did the last couple of gruesome records. He's about to do the new gruesome record. He just did the new Exum record. He just did the new Wolfhammer record, you know? So it's it's not like he's just like the sound engineer. He's got a lot of ability outside of that, you know, within a studio and outside of a studio. So, you know, we kind of talked about things and, you know, he got involved with us with it and, we kind of sorted out going to a studio called Earth Analog up in Tolano, Illinois, which is about 20 minutes south of Champaign, Illinois. And we went up there and tracked everything on a two-inch tape. And then we sent everything to Chris Common out in El Paso, Texas to mix it down. And Chris isn't really a huge like metal mixer guy, but definitely his approach I think assisted the record. And I, I think that's what we we're doing. We we're just trying to take that step and maybe just go down a different path and risk it and see what would happen. I mean, you, you, at one point you just have to break the cycle and try to see where you can go. You know, it's either going to be wrong or it's going to go right. So you got a 50, 50 split there. Yeah, and for the, as, as a listener, for me, um, you know, like I said, I've been listening primarily from the, the I know it, it depends now if people listen to their headphones to so the vinyl, the CD, it all sounds different. But from the primary listening for me, it's been kind of from the CD and then obviously in the headphones when I'm, I'm out and about. But it's just a lot clearer, a lot less distortion. Like, And I know Eric was very much a guitar player, more or less, that, that the guitar kind of was crisper. But on this one, I felt the drums really uh, were standing out throughout the entire mix. Do you, do you feel that's true or no? No, I mean, I, I I think so, too. I think they cut through a lot more. I think that was an approach we were trying to get to as well because Zach really wanted to do something a little different with his drums, to like record his drums in a different kind of room and things like that and approach some things a little differently, you know. And, I mean, every every person you go record with, you know, I'm like, I don't have nothing bad to say about probably any producer, really, or engineer because everybody has their own way on how they perceive how the music is coming across, you know. And it's just we went kind of the direction with Pritchard because he was there with us live. And so he knew how things were coming out of the PA. Now, I mean, we're not going to capture us live, you know, in a studio, but he can take the element of the sound that's coming out of the PA and adapt that to the recording process, you know, and and put it in place for that. So I think there was an approach with all of that, like, the whole live experience, but kind of put into a CD, but not necessarily live. I mean, a live experience on its own is, is, you know, a, a situation for us and the fans when we're playing the show, that's all that moment in time. But we definitely wanted something more impactive on the way we were as a live band. Got it. That's cool. So now the writing process for the record, um, how does that usually go? Like does Sammy come up with the riffs first and then it goes into kind of that process or is it you guys collectively in there? How does that usually go? It's, I mean, it's a lot like Sammy has a lot of, ri- I mean, he has a lot of riffs. We even, we have riffs like built up all the way from the first fucking record we ever done. 
You know, we, we don't throw anything away. We keep all the riffs because we found at certain moments we could be working on a song and a riff that we had never used before in the past could come in and connect two parts that we're fighting over to make work. So we don't get rid of any riffs. I think that they're timeless in a sense, you know. They definitely have that, that value in so many different ways. Sometimes if you speed them up, they sound a little better. Sometimes you slow them down, they sound a little better, you know. So there's all these variations that come into play. So you could take a riff where you might have wrote it fast, and but it just didn't come across in what we were doing before. But later on down the line, we have this other part that's more mid-paced, but we slowed it down and fit it in, and it fit in perfectly. So the thing is, is there's some songs Samuel Wright, like on the spot, and he kind of has the whole thing out or he has pieces and parts and then we all get involved and we all start to try to put in ideas here and there, like our input and saying, hey, maybe this part could be shifted to this or this can be shifted to this. I know there was a couple of songs on on Vengeful Ascension that I went over to Sammy's house and I sat with him. He was like laying it out and me and him kind of sat together and kind of restructured some things within it. Because that was a thing too, like Zach lives in Phoenix. And, you know, me and Sammy live in New Orleans and James lives out in San Diego. So luckily with modern technology, everybody kind of has the software, the recording software to kind of bounce things back and forth and kind of throw ideas around. So Sammy will kind of put together a song in this thing with these like fake little drum tracks. He'll send it to Zach. Zach will remove the little fake drum tracks and he'll put his tracks in and then send it back. And then we can kind of see where everything sits and that way when everyone comes into town for a couple of weeks we're all kind of on the same page and we can just roll with it instead of just like sitting in the room and staring at each other going all right what next what about this part or what about that part so you know there's that element of that but sammy definitely you know i mean i can come to him with ideas like on constricting rage for the song cold earth consumed in dying flesh i kind of approached him as in hey why don't we do something that's kind of like bulldozing like an old death metal kind of thing like old bolt thrower you know and so basically we don't exactly copycat something we just write whatever we're into that sounds like something that we were into in the past but in the version of what go does Definitely, so yeah. there's, there's all these different variations you know and then Zach and Sammy will sit together and they'll throw ideas back and forth they'll also start mapping things out in the tempo because the speeds of the songs will change how they come across as well. So it'd be like, maybe we need to slow it down a hair. Maybe we need to pick it up a hair, you know? So all those things come into perspective and everything's laid out in, in that fashion to present how we, we personally like the song as a final before we go ahead and like lock it into place. And then from there, everything else falls in, you know, James comes in, he's got some bass parts and he puts his bass stuff over everything. And then, I work on lyrics and me and Sammy throw ideas with lyrics around sometimes and the Sammy will sing on some parts here and there. And then, you know, we'll kind of throw, toss around ideas involving all of that. And with lyrics, is, is it the same as riffs for you? Are you like, I don't throw away any of my lyrics or are there some lyrics? Yeah, I don't throw away anything. I have, I have stuff old as shit, you know, it's like I kind of plagiarize for myself because there's songs where I'll write from scratch, depending on what's going on and what, you know, what kind of, the idea I'm kind of basing it around or there's other songs where I'll go through all these old things. And I'll find pieces that all kind of are affiliated with each other and they'll be spanned over periods of time of lyrics, just 
written on papers and stuff like that that I've had piled up and I just kept. Because usually if I use it, I end up scratching them all out, the ones that I use. So the ones that I didn't use, they're all kind of still available in a certain sort of way. That's, that's excellent. So um, you guys are offering a limited edition spell book, which it's like a hardcover Necronomicon. And then the it comes with a bonus CD. Did the band come up with this idea or was it uh, something that like the label said, hey, we should try something kind of limited edition? Well, we were, you know, they always do the bundles for each record, you know, and then it's always like this thing of sitting around and trying to find out like, oh, what are we going to do this time? Oh, like a pint glass or a flask, you know, and all these things. And actually, uh, Diane at Metal Blade, she's one of the employees there. She kind of said, why don't we come up with like some kind of book or a spell book or something? I was like, wow, that's really a fucking unique idea. That's really fucking cool. So we kind of delved into it and then. It was kind of crunched because the idea, you know, we were kind of, it was kind of late in the game with the idea. And then we only had a certain amount of time. And then we had to get somebody to kind of work on it. So we had another person, they got a, a graphic design person that they knew. And then me and him kind of got together and we kind of placed it together and put pieces together. And I kind of gave him ideas of things that kind of represented things for each song. Because it's not really spells, it's... To me, it's more of a manifest to me because all it is, it's like all the lyrics, but it's like 40 pages of it with art and everything like that. So, and then it's art, like kind of representing things within the songs. That's yeah, it's a super cool idea. So, um, I, I was looking at it and I'm like, man, that I, I didn't even know that existed until I, I pre-ordered the CD because I got the CD. No, I think it's, I think it's a great idea. Yeah. I mean, I commend her for like bringing it up. I didn't even realize that was like a possibility either though, you know, cause you only, there's only so many things that you're limited to do, especially in price ranges and stuff yeah, like that. But sure. it's like the size of like a DVD case, and it's it's hardcover, and it's got these two little slips. When you open it up, and on each side on the front and the back of it is these two little slip sleeves where the CDs go, and then the pages. And then, like, they got this, like, spot gloss varnish stuff on the cover to kind of make it look like, look, look like the latches are raised and the uh, sigil in the middle is kind of raised up and stuff like that. So it's... It's really unique. I mean, if we had more time, I'm sure it could be really out of control. But for what we did, I think it, it came across really cool. And it was definitely a fucking awesome idea all around. And there's only 3,000 that you guys are making. And that's it, right? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I didn't even know what the number was. You even know. I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I looked it up. Because like I said, I got the CD when I saw you guys on tour. Uh, you out here. I'm in Las Vegas. So I saw you at the dive bar. And, and you guys actually sold a little like... Uh, um, I don't know what it is. Like it looked like a, a laminate, and then that's a yeah, yeah. Record. So yeah, so I bought we it. Had, that's like a separate thing. So we do one where it's a laminate and it has a code. Yep. And it's like a pre-order thing, and you you go in, you put your address and the code in, and won't, like before the record comes out, they send the CD out, and then it comes with a shirt that basically we're not pressing anymore. You know. Yeah. We, we had it like we had it on these few tours leading up to the release of the record, and then once that was it, it was like cold. That's it. So that shirt would never be made again. So it was an exclusive shirt with that laminate. So yes. we had like the, so we had all these little variations of things, you know. So we had that for when we were kind of on tour, and then we had the bundles that Metal Blade put together. You know, like they had different ones with like the CD, the shirt, the spell book, or the vinyl, the spell book, a shirt, a candle, because there's a candle too. Yes. 
That's cool. Even with a spell book, you need a candle. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So you guys are always touring, brother, always. And you've been on the road now for, what, 20-plus years between Soylent and Goat Horror. And at this point, are there any situations that surprise you on the road, or have you seen it all? Uh, no, I, th- I have to say that I do come into situations where I'm like, wow, I never saw that before. Yeah. Wow. So if that's the one thing about the road. I'm assuming. Obviously, I've never toured, or I, I don't want. I mean, talk most of it. Most of it, you do. You're like, all right, been here, done this before. Yeah, yeah, it's cool, cool. But I think now, now especially with like modern technology, with cell phones and shit, like you can find unique things. Like your end route to the venue. You don't have to be at the venue till five, and you're gonna have four extra hours. So you don't want to sit around there. So now you have the means to look up things and be like, oh, shit, there's this on the way to the venue. So why don't we stop off for two hours and kill time and go to this? You know, like, uh, for instance, uh, we played Albuquerque, New Mexico, and then we were playing Flagstaff the next day. Well, we started driving early. And in between there, you have a lot of different things going to Arizona, but they have the uh, Petrified Natural Forest. So we kind of went and drove through that and went and did that stuff and then went to the show. So so, so it's like you have the means. Not that you couldn't do that before because of maps and everything, but I think because of like GPSs and everything, you can dig up things more. It'd be you know, less. All kinds, of, all kinds of little quirky things you never knew were there. Yeah, maps give me anxiety anytime I travel. I'm like, I can go here and here, but then you make one left turn, you're gone. But GPS I saves think- you, yeah. I think the the part about it with like touring for me was when I was a kid growing up every summer for two weeks, my dad had vacation from work and we had like a van. He had like a, a, one of those custom vans, you know, it had like the little sofa in the back and the little captain's chairs. Nice. And, And, you know, I had, I had, I had three sisters and it was me and my mom and dad. And that was the thing. We didn't fly anywhere or go somewhere and stop. We drove all kinds of places, like drove to like Grand Canyon, drove to like Carlsbad Caverns, drove to like Vancouver, B.C. in Canada, you know. But you would you would do things all the way there and then take a different route home and do different things all the way back. And when I was little, I would use to read, you know, he, he was part of like AAA or whatever, and they had the they, had, they called them triptychs, and they were like little map things routed to where you were going, and they, you know, they'd highlight it and all that kind of crap. It was like part of being in the AAA club or whatever. And then, um, but I would read them and look at them and look at them and see how things were, and, and I got really used to reading maps and know how maps were by doing that every summer. And so when I got on tour, it was like, I was like, oh, this is easy. I know how to do this, you know, and, but now you have GPSs and all this other thing, but still, even when I'm looking at a GPS map, I can probably look at the aerial view and find a better route than the computer can. So that's, that's <laughs> a fun fact right there. Yeah. Cause every, every, so, every, like I'll look, I'll look at it and I'll be like, yeah, that route sucks. This route is better. And I, you know, usually you figure the computer picks the best route, but it's not always correct. So I'll look at it and I'll look at an overhead view, like on the GPS, I'll look at it and I'll be like, yeah, this route is better. Let's go this way. 
you know, and different things. But then, so when I'd be, when I, when I'm not driving, I'll be sitting in the passenger seat and I'll look at the map and I'll start like searching in the area. I'll be like, well, what's around all of this, you know? And plus they have so many apps now. It's like, um, there's one, I can't remember it offhand, but it, it, it finds like obscure things like around you, you know, like abandoned places and stuff like that. So there's, there's kind of cool shit like that as well. And going through the states back and forth, you can always find something you've never seen before, right? Isn't it seem? Yeah, yeah, of yeah. course, of course, it is. It, it truly is endless, you know. And I've always been like, when I was growing up, I was I was really into caves, and so I'm always like looking for caves on the route and shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, is when I, I mean, there was a big trip when I was a kid. When we did, we went out to Carlsbad Caverns, you know, in New Mexico, and that ever since then, I was always like this looking up caves and different things i've been to like mammoth caves in kentucky i've been to caves in the black hills in south dakota you know so there's like shit all over the place you know now do you do like photography when you do these things or is it just kind of experiences that you just kind of no i just go i kind of go i mean you know what taking a picture in a cave really doesn't do it justice as much as being in the cave you know i mean i can sit there and look at the pictures on and they all look the same you know pretty pretty much similar you know but when you're in there and you're kind of walking around stuff it's really cool now i haven't done the like climbing through small crevices yet and mm. i've always wanted to do that it's just it's a more of a, a planned thing because you got to have it's got to be planned ahead you got to have gear to do it and then you got to have a lot of time to do it because they go in there and like for like five or six hours and you call through all these little nooks and crannies and it's like a special little tour so i haven't done that yet i've always just done the regular tours so you don't get claustrophobic like at all no i don't i don't that's, I, that's what i'm saying i'd love to do the the crawling one it's like one of the big things i even got like like a lot like five or so years ago i got certified in diving and i was like why didn't i do this sooner in my life this is like i went diving and everything and i mean the deepest i've ever been is like 60 feet but it's it's incredible it's just incredible and actually there was a place we had to go in florida it's called vortex springs and it's actually an underground cave like an underwater cave system but it's a huge it's like this lake this freshwater lake or or a spring or something and then what they do is you have to go out there to do your like checkout dive where you do your tests when you're getting certified so you go out there and you go down but they bring you down to the entrance to the cave to kind of let you see and the entrance to the cave is like 60 feet down so it's really interesting. I mean, you have to get certified in caving. They got all these different certifications beyond just getting regular certified as a diver. So, you know, I, I, that's, I, I guess I've never had no problems with like claustrophobic or, you know, things like that. So it's always been like this thing, but I've always, I'm like, why haven't I done that? Like, why didn't I start that when I was like 20? Why yeah. so long to do this shit? A lot of times people say you don't know until you're in the actual situation if you're claustrophobic or not. Like, I've, I've heard yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, times. that's true. Yeah. That's true. I, I'm sure that's that's a possibility, too. I, I don't know. I just feel like I get in there and I feel like, I'm, I mean, I've been like, I've done some things where I've been in a tight squeeze and all I do when I feel like I can't move is just relax a little bit and slowly inch out, inch out, you know, shit like that. So, oh, yeah. Now, if you got the confidence, you're good, I think. that's I, I agree so, with that completely, yeah. So it's like whatever, you know. But, yeah, yeah, but anyway, back to, like, the map thing. So that's the whole map thing, and then it, it, it kind of assisted in the touring cycle as well, you know. 
All right. So the next trek, you guys are going to go across the straits. You will be playing with uh, Venom Inc., Toxic, Toxic Holocaust, and the Convalescence. This is going to be your fourth U.S. tour this year. So out of the three tours you've done, which has been the highlight for you so far? Shit, we've done four. This That's is going to be the fourth, year, right? You did, you did, <laughs> I saw you on the 35th anniversary with, uh, with Cattle, and then I thought you did one with, uh, man, afterwards. Didn't you guys just come off one, like a uh, 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 headlining one? No, you didn't. I'm on Actually, we did that, and then we did them on Mars. That's right. And then we just did this little run, this like three week run out to the west because we went up and played the uh, the Northwest Terror Fest yeah. up in Seattle. And then we went into Canada for like five, Western Canada for five shows, and came back out. Just got a little run, kind of revolving around the record. And then, yeah, and then I mean, we don't do anything for the next two months, but September first, we start up that tour. Yes, so you got this is the fourth, yeah. So that's uh, so you're going with Venom Inc. Um, excited about that. They're they are the traditional black metal band, you know, from back or Venom, you know, uh, and uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's it's fucking awesome. You know what we did in the past? We did do a tour with Venom with Kronos. Oh, so now we're doing it with the other half of Venom, you know, and it's I guess it's kind of full circle at this point. Yeah. You know? So. I got. I got to tell you, I got to talk to Tony a little while ago, uh, and man, they're so excited to go on tour with you. Like, I'm gonna air your. Yeah, show I think it's gonna his. be awesome. Yeah. You know, I never. Venom played. He, they those guys played here, and I, I. I don't think I was in town or I had work or something. Yes, I do work. So, and then uh, <laughs> <laughs> we all do. <laughs> I, I couldn't go to the show. I did I missed it. But Sammy hung out with those dudes, you know. And so, I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a really good time. I think with all the bands, I think it's going to be a fucking awesome time. So I'm pretty band. stoked. It's going to be, it's going to be an extensive. I mean, that tour goes from September 1st to like October 3rd. It hits so many places. So it's going to be really fucking cool. So uh, yeah, and back. Sorry about that. I'm not supposed to say so anymore. I did it again. Uh, back to the Amano Marth tour. Uh, you made a statement before you guys went on tour, and I just uh, just wanted to see what you meant by it. But you said that you hoped at the end of the tour you would be as cool as Joe Grindo from Theories. Did you reach that level of cool? <laughs> did you make it or no? I don't know, man. I don't know. I was trying. You know, I saw him in Seattle at the Northwest Terror Fest, and we were supposed to have a boxing match, but I think everything got thrown out of proportion so <laughs> like boxing boxing not ufc right like boxing like like uh 16 ounce well, gloves we, we were talking about like bare fist but, oh oh you know, like he, real like fight club he, boxing but he, <laughs> but he was he was talking about he didn't want to mess up his face you know so <laughs> <laughs> i told him i was like i don't have anything i'm not trying to win any fucking beauty prizes so whatever but he was like maybe we should use some whatever some smaller gloves or whatever. <laughs> how did that conversation come to play, though? How did you guys say, "All right, let's box"? How did this? How did this all come down? No, because I've, I've known Grindo for a while, man. Uh, we were just clowning about things, you know. And I, <laughs> that was this thing. Uh, I, we kind of just started when they did, like I did that. Like they said, do a press release or whatever, and I just did that. And I was just like, I just hope I'm cooler than Joe Grindo. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, whatever. You know, that I, I mean, it's after a while, like doing these, like they're like, "Oh, can we have a press release? Can we do this? Can we say something?" I'm like, at some points, I'm just like, I don't even, I don't even know what to say, really, to tell you. I mean, I've been on a lot of tours, and it's just like, I mean, I enjoy touring, you know, and I enjoy a lot of the bands. We, I mean, there's only probably one time in my touring career I wasn't happy with the situation, and. uh but overall, every time we tour, it's been awesome, and the people we tour with were fucking really cool, you know? 
I mean, I have no doubt everybody's going to be fucking cool as fuck on the Venom Inc. tour. No, you know for what sure. I'm saying? And, and not only that, we kind of like, we know Joel, you know, we know the Toxic Holocaust fucking clan. You know, we've done things together with them before. So it's almost like you come back full circle with friends and you go back out on the road again at one point after you've done it before. So we have those things, you know. And then I'm sure like us and the Venom guys will kick it off really good. You know, I'm sure that shit will just get crazy. Yeah. So it's like when people always like, I don't, it's like, I get sick of all the same shit. Like, oh, we're excited to go out on this tour. And da, 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 da. it's just like, yeah, I mean, of course we are. I mean, I, I don't have to do a press release about it, you know? So, <laughs> Completely understand. <laughs> so then I was like, so what am I going to say? So I just made up some fucking whack shit and then I threw Grindo into the mix and then people started asking questions and then yeah then my research led me to, to you to bring you out to call you out on these things so you got to be like that same now they're gonna call me out i gotta explain this <laughs> we can't say yeah. something like that <laughs> so. yeah no it's funny after i did grindo grindo sent me a text he's like dude i've been getting a bunch of texts after that press release oh yeah we, we, goes, we like the drama dude we're, we're looking for yeah, anything goes, right <laughs> he's like we should create a fight that at the uh at the northwest terror fest <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. So you guys have been confirmed for this year's edition of the 70 Tons of Metal, right? Oh, the next year, you mean, Next right? year, yes, coming up. Sorry about that. Which yeah, is, yeah, yeah. And That's ha- from what I heard today, yes. I, yeah, I saw that as well. And now they tend to have drunken karaoke go down. Are you going to partake in this karaoke? Oh, man. That would be a tough one. I guess it depends on how drunk I am. Gonna, it's a possibility you know it's there's always a possibility you never know when you're on the boat you're gonna get drunk there's nowhere to go <laughs> so, <laughs> so and they, they they make you sing the the, the 90s song they'll, they'll make you sing like jesus christ pose or something so it's it's that's not, fine yeah. yeah you got it yeah as long as it's not like they're not gonna pull out britney spears on you but you're like you can do the jesus christ pose no problem yeah, something like that. I could do something silly i that, guess that's awesome i guess it depends on what it is you know in my mood at the time and how much whiskey was partakes during the day. <laughs> so do you ever karaoke in regular life? No. Nah, not yeah, at all. I don't think so. Yeah, so. No. <laughs> so, um, so what? I'm doing the real thing. Why do I have I, to ex- karaoke? Makes no <laughs> sense. I know. That, that was a, uh, that question wasn't written down. That was me being on the web and then I took it right back <laughs> in my mind. I'm like, That's good. Really? Yeah. So, so you've been touring, like I said, forever. How long is too long without a break on a tour is like 45 days good or is it like 10 days Ten day. <laughs> no, it's like you know what it's like you, you you definitely have to i guess you have to kind of get in a, a mindset and kind of do things because you are out there in a vehicle with like like we're in a van with a trailer and we have like six people it's like the four of us and two extra people and you know, it's a small place. I mean, and we don't get hotel rooms a lot. Like in a month tour, we might get two nights of hotel rooms. Mm. And we sleep in the van a lot because a lot of times, you know, dudes hang out all night, like drinking and stuff like that or partying. And then it's like, why well, go to a hotel room at five or six in the morning when you have to get up at eight and start driving? So we just go ahead and, you know, we park the van somewhere and some of the guys hang out, some of the guys rest, you know, and it kind of rotates and stuff like that. And that's yeah. it, you yeah. know. And I guess you, I guess sometimes you get the venues a little early and you just kind of go for a walk on your own and get away. I mean, there's, everybody handles it differently, 
you know. But it does, you know, I've been, I think the longest I was ever on tour nonstop was three months. Wow. Yeah, that's when I, I saw the Melvins announce a 12-week tour, and I was like, 12 weeks straight, no no breaks. And that's I was like, three, yeah. that's three months. And then at the end of that, was it just like, I mean, because we all, we're, I don't know, like I think most men, especially like in any kind of aggression music, we're going to walk around with some anger. And to not have, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and you have to kind of step. You got to do things. You know, and and I, I mean, I'm not going to say that. You know, we don't argue with each other because it's natural. Yeah, it's happen, got to. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it's you can't have the perfect fucking. It ain't going to ever be a perfect environment. You're going to have everybody's got their own little individual personality. So you're going to have little outbreaks here and there. You know, different things. But but, it, but overall, I think it fairly moves along pretty smoothly in some sort of way. You know, for sure. Yeah. And then um, being in, like I said, if you're in a aggressive band, is it necessary to have kind of like a peaceful hobby? Like, uh, I don't know, following sports or film or, or reading or something like that. Is that like kind of a necessary thing or not really? Uh, no, I guess not really. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess there's things, you know, we all like read like we all have different things we do when we're on tour, you know, whether it's like reading about stuff, looking at obscure videos or movies or things like, you know, everybody's got their own little court that they like to do as far as that. So I think that kind of, I think too, with modern technology, the way it is now, like going back to that idea, I think that helps out a lot too now. Cause I remember like when I first started touring, I mean, you know, you didn't have cell phones, you pulled off at a, a pay phone to call a promoter to get directions and all that kind of shit. And I was, I, I sit there sometimes and I'm watching everybody, and they're like, somebody's watching a movie, somebody's texting somebody. And I'm like, holy shit, how did we all do it back when they didn't have all this shit? Collect you know? calls? Yeah, I don't know how you guys did it, man. You know, it's like, how did we manage to do this and not fucking go completely fucking crazy? Or maybe we did go beyond crazy, and now this is just the point afterwards. That's... You know, and now we're just savoring it because it's like, oh, this is easy because now we have this. You know, yeah. where newer bands come out, they haven't, they never felt that wrath. You know, everything's there in their hands. I do wish there was like a, a a training period for like newer bands where they had to do it like it was in 1998, and then they can earn the right to do it like in 2017. <laughs> it's not how it is, but I wish there was like this period. Then everybody would have the same work ethic. Everybody would be pro. It would just be a different kind of atmosphere, you know. But, uh, oh, no, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I, you know what you can always do is you can put in one of those fake little cell phone fucking things in their vehicle and set it off, you know, where it totally disconnects their signal. Or they, it's like a cell phone jammer. Is that real? I saw that in the movie. But you can I've, really- heard, I've heard you can get I mean, I heard that they're hella illegal, but... You know, I'm sure there is some kind of device that's something like that. Oh, I have no doubt. Yeah, that exists. So you put that in their vehicle and you jam all their devices for the entire tour so they have to go old school. (laughs) We could do that. Actually, this is a great idea for a fucking reality show. That would be, yeah. Everybody's in the reality shows. Here's what we do. We get four new bands, but they get to go out on the road and they lose all their electronics and they have to do it like it was done in 1988. There you go. That would be a fantastic reality show, actually. You know what? You just call it 88. <laughs> Sold. That's your trademark. We're not giving it to no one else. <laughs> that's, that's a you know, great idea. You put them out there, and you just have film, and you, and you watch them fall apart 
And maps only. Insanely. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, maps. All all I get is the Rand McNally fucking World Atlas map. You know the U you know, of the United States and Canada. They get uh, they don't. There's not many payphones, but we'd have to sort like spots where they'd stop where they have to call the promoter and get directions. Wouldn't and, have email either. Can't email. In a thirty day tour, you think or no? How long would you? Yeah, thirty, 30 days, days. Thirty days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Motherfucker, motherfucker will fall apart in like a week without their shit. I'm telling you. Oh man, I I, I can tell you right now, I would. You know. So like, well, but, well, no, I mean, yeah. there's some of them that fall apart faster because I know, like last week, something. So Cox Internet went down, and um, it went down like all across the South from like Florida to California. But in the time it went down, all the people that fucking freak out because they don't have the ability to use something that they're used to using is the funniest shit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just sorry. It's really funny. It's like, cause my dad called me and he goes, he goes, the internet, I was on tour and he's like, the internet sounds like, well, it doesn't affect me. I'm, I'm on tour. I mean, I don't, I don't have any internet. I mean, I just have the cell phone. My cell phone's working. And then I, I saw it, it was like a news thing. And I was like, no, I said, dad, the, the internet is, the internet provider Cox is out right now completely across like all of the South from West to East. And he's like, oh, he goes, I kept calling them and calling them. And I was like, yeah. So I went online and I was looking at, I went to the Cox thing and it has this little outage page and it showed all the outages. But then it has people leaving comments. And when you start going through the comments, it is the best <laughs> golden shit because you know that this person hasn't had it for maybe an hour and they're already losing their shit yeah the the panic yeah yelling on it like comments going cox you better get your fucking shit together it's just like (laughs) dude you know what there's a chance this shit's gonna go out what what's gonna happen when the whole the whole grid goes out it's gonna be like fucking chaos in this fucking country. People dude. are gonna be <laughs> typing, but it's gonna go nowhere. <laughs> it's just gonna be like, yeah, what the fuck is going? Exactly. And, yeah, they're just gonna look at. It's gonna be a Microsoft Word document. Them yelling at themselves. <laughs> so, but it's but yeah. it's funny. It's it's like I mean it's it's not fully funny because some disaster shit could happen with people. But it goes to show you that kind of show. It would be the same thing because people would lose their ability to use that kind of shit, and they would go fucking. It would get fucking neurotic, you know? Yeah. For, oh, no, I, I completely agree. A hundred percent on uh, that. I mean, isn't that what, isn't that what fucking reality shows are for us for people to watch other people go into complete train wrecks? Yes. You know what I'm saying? Sadly, I mean, yes. Yeah. Misery loves company. So somebody sitting at home that's miserable loves to watch somebody go into a complete train wreck that's on some kind of reality TV show. Hey, or exactly. watch the other end, watch someone that's so fucking rich that shouldn't be rich do all these glamorous things while you're sitting at home busting your ass not getting anywhere in life <laughs> it's 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 one of the two it's the two opposites so then yeah neither are healthy <laughs> it's, it's yeah like, neither yeah. are healthy i mean i don't even watch any of the yeah. shit at all i mean i rarely watch i don't even get to see a lot of the movies i want to fucking see usually but that's an adult other than that, the same way man yeah yeah, I just don't get to do it just because, you know, work and then band and then other things that are going on and stuff like that. And, uh, I mean, there's, there's points, too. I put my, I'll take my cell phone and I'll put it away, like, part of the day. I'm just like, yeah, I don't really want to fucking deal with this. I want to just, like, go around and do things and not worry about it. Yeah. You know? hundred. Yeah, I do the same thing. It's You got to, I think. I think, especially if we grew up where we grew up, you got to not be 
addicted to something like that. I don't know. Because you're missing out on life. That's that's the way yeah, it, yeah. you're missing out on. Even if I sit so, there and watch a movie for two hours without myself in my I'll tell you what, if you, if you go into a cave, you ain't got no signal. Just <laughs> <laughs> There you go. So, that shit's done, son. You don't have to do it. You ain't got shit down there. You got the camera on your phone. That's cool. But like I said, taking pictures down there isn't the same as being down there. No, I bet it just looks claustrophobic. And it's like, yeah, I guarantee that's that. That you just nailed it. That's pretty much everything in life. I think it's not the same as being there. And that's what people. Yeah, it is. That's what people miss out. Even you know? I know that everybody talks about the cell phones at the concerts. Like, yeah, no, dude, you're missing it. You're missing it. Like I remember at the dive bar, we were all, you know, we screamed all together. I was like, "Fucked by Satan!" It was a great moment for me and all the dudes around. And I had, saw behind me like seven people with cell phones. I'm like, "You guys missed it." <laughs> we're, we're singing over. Yeah, there. I know. We're it, singing it, over. Dude, there. I, I say that to some people yeah. sometimes, and sometimes I tell them, "Go put it away. This is our moment. This yeah. isn't for other people. This is. We all came here." To do this together. We, we don't need that. And know? as a metal guy, you want to scream that with, like, you know, your heroes. You want to be like, let's scream the lyric together. And, like like I said, we all did. It was a good moment. But then the, the second you turn around, you're like, they don't get it. But they're here. So you don't want to disclude them. You know, you want to be. No, I don't want to disclude yeah. them. I, I want them to be more involved. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? That's why I want them to put it away and come get in the, and come hang out and be a part of it. Because that's a, you know, I remember when I was growing up and I, I was like, you know, you'd read about shit with like Black Flag and all these bands and Judas Priest and stuff. And you're like, some of the things you've read about somebody or your friend, your older friend telling you they went to their show and they this happened. You're like, fuck, that was awesome. But then as I got a little older, I started going to the shows. And now I find myself talking with people that have been to like those shows. And we, we kind of reminiscent and reminisce on it. And I'm like, that was a moment. That was a moment when I was growing up, when I was younger and I couldn't go. And I was missing those moments, but I'd hear them from other people. And then I got older to go to them. And then I became part of those moments. And that's what it is now. These moments need to be created. And they're not created if you're not putting it away and being a part of it. You want to be able to sit back later on and tell that story about that show you went to and the shit that went on and the crazy shit that happened. Not about, oh, shit, I didn't see that because I was holding my phone up videotaping shit. And I didn't even catch that on videotape. <laughs> That's exactly it. It's, it's useless. It's useless video. Always, it seems like. Yeah. But. It's like if you didn't catch if you didn't catch something really fucking crazy that happened, then you wasted your time, and you had this fucking video memory of nothing. And as for me, like I'm a fan. I just want to be a fan. All my stories, all my moments are exactly that paying attention and watching things you know that's that's, that's yeah, i saw that's this I saw, that's 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 almost every good story i have like me and my lady we recently just last week we, we went and saw mel brooks he did an evening with mel brooks he did like a stand-up thing you know and uh i just left i'm like that was a moment that was fantastic nobody in the crowd had their phone out everybody was just paying attention dude's like 91 right and I'm like, yeah, yeah. And and it's like I got to get to a crowd where everybody in the crowd's like 70 years old to like everybody gets it. <laughs> so, <laughs> but like we all walked away feeling are the same. Saying, are you saying we need a 70 year old crowd for go horse shows? Is that what you're trying? To I'm say? saying I'll be 70 eventually, and if you keep doing it, Ben, I'll be there. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so last question, but actually I got two more. Let me a quick question, just because I'm a, I'm a fan of the Soiling Green. Is there any updates on that? Anything with Soiling Green happening? No, not really, man. I, That's yeah. like a 
That's such in a limbo state. I don't even. I don't have any answers. No worries. I had to ask. You know? I was like, I gotta ask, dude. I yeah, I mean, dude. Yeah. Trust me, I get asked a lot on tour and stuff like that. I really don't have any answers. You know, I mean, Brian's doing the I God thing, but he's also about the uh, him and his girl about to have another baby. Congratulations. And so, you know, he's got that family life, and and then Tommy's been busy with Crowbar. You know, and so it's just you know a lot of different things. So it's. So it's a complicated machine, man. I tell people that it's like, it's really unique. I mean, I'm, don't get me wrong. I miss it. I miss a lot of elements of it. It was really different from a lot of things, you know, and it was, uh, it had a lot of curves in it and the, and people either like saw it or they really didn't like it at all. There was no like this in between, like on the fence about it. You know, there was, it was just this, it was just obscure thing. And I, I, I totally appreciate it, and I enjoy everything we did. And I think, you know, I have to say the last record we did, Inevitable Collapse in the Presence of Conviction, I'm really stoked if that is going to be the last record. I'm like, wow, I think that record's really good for to be a final record. You know, I could kind of go off. Oh, you got uh, every in, in one a, of in them. In a good way. Good. Yeah, you no, know? that was a great one. So, yeah. So, like, for me, Sewn Mouth Secrets was kind of, I give that record credit to getting me into any kind of music that I love today. Cause I was kind of at the age I was at, it was, you know, I was getting off the Pearl jam Nirvana trains and, and then like, you know, through Pantera that got me to that record. And then after that record, all that stuff didn't make sense to me anymore. So I think there's a lot of us that at the right time when we got that, you know, it was like, okay. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's got a special plate, like a lot of us at that time. Because when that, you know, came out, even, even Pussy Soul, I think that was, like I said, I didn't get that one. I got the one that you were on. But um, the point is that that stuff really did have an impact on a lot of people and music going forward, you know. But who gets credit yeah, for no, what? Yeah, no, no, I, I think. Know. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, I agree. That record's really good, too, man. That was definitely a, a huge turning point with Soul yeah. Then too. I mean, that whole damn. I look at the time period, and I'm just like, it feels like it wasn't long ago. But then you look at the the years, you're like, yes, it was long ago. <laughs> Twenty years next year, right? In '98, yeah. am I wrong? I think it was like '98. I think so. Yeah, man, it's crazy. Somewhere like that. So Ben, it's been awesome talk, man. Last question, uh, just uh, out of curiosity, if you got anything on here. So, um, what's this, what insanity in today's society do you outright refuse to accept? Chick-fil-A. <laughs> that is the perfect answer. <laughs> Chick-fil-A and Jimmy John's. I don't accept it. <laughs> we will boycott that. I, I was going to say McGregor versus Mayweather, right? <laughs> boycott that. But anyway, so. Uh, ben. Um, but outside of that, actually, let's see. Oh. Yeah, I, I mean, there's so much bullshit going on. I don't even... I can't even believe this is the thing what I can't believe. Well, I mean, I can believe it because when you watch that movie Idiocracy and you mm. watch things now, you're like, holy shit, that is so goddamn on point. But <laughs> it's just, Never, I just don't yeah. understand how people like, okay, people want change. They want something different. But still, they vote between the same two parties. They don't go out of the fucking box at all, ever. They don't go, hey, let's try something a little different. Let's do something a little outside of this. They go to the same two, same things. And the people that could still say, 
that they trust what politicians say, that is amazing in 2017. Oh, agreed. It's like, it's like you really going to say that? You can trust what they have to say? <laughs> Do you think it's because everybody's just scared of change? So they're just not, they're just going to take what's given to them? Do you think the majority? I mean, well, I mean, definitely the majority, you know, the majority definitely, you know, they're, they're like sheep. They're just going to follow whatever you're going to, you know, they're going to buy the name brand thing. They're going to stick with that kind of thing. And that's what they're going to do. Yeah. There's not, there's not the one, you know, the people, there's, there's definitely an underbelly of America that's like built off of what it was originally, you know, like it's revolt to be what it was. But, you know, it's going to take years and years of this and something drastic to shift for that to kind of pop up again. It always takes a drastic measure for something to really pop up and change things. You know, yeah. just like it did with the American Revolution, just like it did, you know, with anything. You know, and, and all these people that are like, that, you know, that everybody has this utopia about everything. It's just like, you know what? The world's not perfect. There's always going to be bad guys. There's always going to be good guys. You're not going to fucking change that. You're not going to get rid of it. Yeah. It's inevitable, man. You're not going to do it. There's always going to be some person somewhere that wants more power than they already have. They're going to have a person that wants more money than they already have. And those people don't care who is in the way of that. So it's an inevitable thing. And sometimes those people will get at high points within politics within businesses, things like that. And they will trample us because they don't care, you know? And it's it's the inevitable thing. You're not going to change it. You're not going to change people. That's just how it is, you know? And there's somewhere in bloodlines, there's some maniac shit going on, and it's just going on as people are reproducing and moving forward. You're not going to change it, dude. So don't expect everything to always be perfect. It's not. Perfect words to end the conversation on. Ben, I want to thank you so much. Everybody out there, I, at the beginning of the interview, I called you a fucking asshole if you didn't have this new Goat Horror record. It's on <laughs> best lists across yeah. the board, guys. Vengeful Ascension. It is a, a beast of a record. Like I said, it's it's the seventh. You guys are dependable, but like this is this is a, a big, big change. Like Every record's good. I'd say get every Goat Horror record, but this one... I'm telling you guys, this, you guys knocked it out of the park. So uh, my pleasure to talk to you, Ben, and uh, I want to thank you so much for calling into the Metal Sucks podcast. No problem. Thank you. I appreciate the uh, the props on the record too, man. Oh. I mean, we just like when we do it, we not we're not trying to. It's not like we're going in. You know, like you read things with bands and they say, "Oh, this is gonna be our best record yet," and "Oh, we did this." I mean, we've always kind of been doing what we've always been doing throughout the years. I mean, some things change a little bit, you know, like I said, with modern technology and the way we approach things and stuff like that. But overall, we've always been into just like old school, heavy fucking manic shit. And that's just how we sit. It's like we're not going to change something to please everyone else. We're, we're doing it what we like and how with the end result is something we like. And then when everyone else like it, it's just a bonus. You know? Oh, and, that, and that's the way to live. That's the perfect way. That's exactly great. I told a friend of mine, I'm like, hey, this record's catchy. And he was like, what did you say? And I'm like, dude, I don't, I'm sorry. Like, I think Cannibal Corpse has got some catchy records. I'm like, you just get it stuck in your head. Riff, 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 vocal. And uh, he like... Well, it's not, that's, catchy isn't is not a the bad word. thing. I don't because, think so. Because what people don't understand is like, look at all those like Judas Priest records and mm -hmm. Iron Maiden records and ACDC. 
You know, you were listening to them and you liked them. And then later on, you realize, damn, that's that's catchy. Like when you're younger and you listen to it, it's one thing. You're like, this is fucking awesome. Drinking beer, doing whatever, eating pizza, hanging out with friends, doing dumb shit. And later on, you listen to it. You're a little older and you kind of examine it a little more, you know? Yeah. And it's like the influence comes full circle, but then it comes in a different perspective because you've gotten a little older and you can see it a little differently. And then you're like, that's why that shit's good. Because listen to the fucking hook in that part. Listen to the fucking catchiness of that fucking riff. You know, listen to what they did there. You know, listen to how Rob Halford put his vocals over this riff and made it all come together. You start to see that and you're like, holy shit. And then that in turn influenced you as a musician. And you're like, I want to do something. I want to be able to create like this, like a musician, like dudes did back then in the fucking awesome new wave of British heavy metal fucking days, you know? It's like, let's make this fucking shit happen. Yeah, dude, for sure. And you guys did. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. And I'm glad that you so, weren't offended by me calling it catchy. <laughs> no, I mean, like, catchy is a thing. Like, people don't understand that. There's different things. You know, like, exactly. when people call, like, when they mix black and black metal and kind of like rock and roll parts, they call it black and roll, you know? And it's a, it is. It's a catchy element. You know, everybody has, like, some kind of... Ca- Toke has a catchy fucking element to him, you know? Dark Throne has a catchy element to Every band that does something unique and has kind of cut through and been influencing does something that's sort of catchy. And, and I think the people problem is what people think catchy, they think of Britney Spears. Yeah. And it's Stigmas. it's not that. It's it's a part that's like that grabs you and, and it grabs you by the balls and you're like, holy shit, this is fucking awesome. Now I don't know, maybe you want to call it something else. Every great metal record, the first song is always going to be catchy. It's going to draw you right in. You know, like Painkiller for Judas Priest, for example. Like, that's going to draw you right in, and then you're going to take it the rest of the way. So, yeah, I'm with you on that 100%. Yeah. And those dudes, I mean, listen to all the fucking old Judas Priest records. They got some fucking catchy-ass shit, man. Oh, yeah. 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 Like I said, there's there's black metal that's catchy. There's, like, I can... Album like Cannibal Corpse Kill, that is catchy. You know, that, that first song stuck in my head for days after I listened to that record, you know? And then he just keeps Yeah, going. yeah. But like and that's like and that's why Rutan, he he did a lot of stuff. I'm like, he gets it, he's getting it. He you know, Hate Eternal's last record's catchy, man. You know, like it's stuck in your head. Yeah. So anyways, cool, Ben. All right, buddy. Then I will talk to you soon. I want to thank you once again, man, for calling into the Metal Sucks podcast. No problem. Thank you, man. Bye. I appreciate it.
the Metal Sucks Podcast. Just a 
fun, fun time, bro. What a cool ass dude. Dude, he he enjoyed you. Oh, dude, I, it was a. That's what I'm saying. It was a good. It was interview. like it was like a couple of guys just you know shooting the shit. I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning. You know, you you just it's just weird. I, I'm anti-social. You're anti-social. Most people are. So it, it, I'm learning. But the songs, you gotta let them know the songs you guys heard. We played two off the new record, guys. Who they're good. Go, first one is uh, "Mankind Will Have No Mercy," and the second song is "Chaos Arcane." Go pick up "Vengeful Ascension" right now if you haven't heard it, guys. Um, and that will do it for this week's Metal Sucks podcast. We want to thank everybody for listening, tuning in, the iTunes reviews that we've seen a couple more good ones. Uh, we got one from someone named Glenda who said there was an audio issue. We are looking into that um, to make sure that we have no issues like that at all. Just so you know, we don't ignore your stuff. So uh, thank you guys again, and we will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.